When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Smith lifts one in, Josh King takes it down, wriggles free and scores! Well, the Manchester United old boy strikes against the corner, it all started for him, and on the stroke of half-time, Bournemouth get the first goal against Manchester United. Bournemouth won, Manchester United nil. Good morning. Episode 65 of Back of the Net. My name is Sam Davis. I hope you had a good weekend. Well, apart from the rugby we did, didn't we? AFC Bournemouth beat Manchester United 1-0 at the Vitality. Man United, yeah, sure enough, they're not they're not the force they once were, but still a decent result against a team who have been looking a little bit better recently, you'd have to say. Not so much against the Cherries, though. We overpowered them in every single department and a thoroughly deserved three points, I would say. With me is Jeff Hayward, and he'll be along very shortly to go over the match in finer detail. And also, this is a bit of a different one. We've got the chat with Jeff on YouTube now. So if you want to see us going over the game, you can go to youtube.com slash AFCB podcast. And what you hear in audio format can also be seen as well. Just the bit with me and Jeff. But if you want to check that out, go to youtube.com slash AFCB podcast. You've heard this before, but I'm just going to say it one more time because I've got a quick question for you. The offer of free beer. Does it appeal to you? Well, if it does, prick up your ears. We've teamed up with Beer 52 to offer back-of-the-net listeners who are over the age of 18 a cheeky offer where you can enjoy eight beers at no cost to you. All craft beers, and for a few days only, you can get a couple of extra chucked in, so it will be 10. The offer runs out very soon. All you've got to do is cover the cost of delivery, which is £4.95. There's one link you need, and it's beer52.com slash AFCB. Just to tell you a little bit about it, if you've not heard of Beer 52, they are beer pioneers and the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. They deliver eight craft beers to your doorstep with different themes every month. Past themes have included California, Belgium, Amsterdam, even Norway. So, yeah, for the next few days, you can actually get 10 beers instead of the usual eight. The link is beer52.com slash AFCB. It is a subscription service, but Beer 52 don't hold you to ransom, so you can leave at any time. All you need to do is just cover the cost of postage, which is less than a fiver, and you also get a snack chucked in there too, and an award-winning craft beer magazine called Ferment as well. Right, I won't go on about it, but if you want to take up this offer in the next few days, you're more than welcome. It's Beer52, that's the number five and the number two, beer52.com slash AFCB. So, what a great win it was at the weekend. And we're going to have a Manchester United-themed question now. That's right. It's time for this. 
So I was in the 1910 bar chatting to Jeff before the game on Saturday and we were racking our brains as to what question we can do for this week's Do You Remember? But Jeff came up with a corker and it involves trying to work out the last five players who have played for both Manchester United and Bournemouth. Do you know who they are? Now, usually... It works that they play for Manchester United first and then move to AFC Bournemouth. Uh, We're not talking just permanent signings, so loan signings are okay too. Um, But one of the last five was actually an exception to the rule, moving in the other direction, playing for Bournemouth first and then playing for Manchester United. I'll give you a clue on that one. This one's a given. He was a pundit for BT Sport at the weekend. Okay, four to go. But yeah, can you name the last five players who have played for both Manchester United and AFC Bournemouth? The answer will be at the end of the show. Now, elsewhere on the podcast, it is a bumper one. We chat to Peter Rutzler, and he is the AFC Bournemouth correspondent for The Athletic. If you don't know what The Athletic is, Peter will explain all later on. And also, we've got your fan thoughts too, and they are coming up very shortly. But before that, some raw match audio, and I go a bit crazy when Josh King scores. And also, at half-time, I managed to catch up with Peter Bell, who is the Cherry Chimes blogger and also the author of the Eddie Had a Dream book. We will be giving away a copy of that, and there'll be details a bit later on in the show. But it was nice to chat to him and hear how things are going. And remember, if you want to order a copy of his book, you can get it from Amazon. But as I say, we'll be giving away a copy, and there'll be more details later on in the show. So, let's get to the audio. Vitality Stadium and Bournemouth are 1-0 up. Josh King in the last minute of half-time. With me is Peter Bell, author of Eddie Had a Dream. Peter, what do you make of that half? Oh, well, it was a fantastic end to the half. Um, I think United you know, had a few chances early on, but crosses particularly um, down their right side against Rico. And um, we were lucky a couple of times because I think James and um, 
uh, one of the other players, I can't remember his name now, um, added, added a couple of chances, but I don't think Ramsdale was really tested, so um, we had a penalty shout. They had a penalty shout, which was quite contentious, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. And Martial, and uh, a bit of a barging and push. Uh, the, the sad thing is that Lerma's got booked, yeah, so he's right. going to be suspended. Yeah, so we had you on the podcast and on the YouTube channel uh, a couple of weeks ago now with your book, Eddie Had a Dream. How's it been going? It's going really well. Um, it's only been about, yeah, 10 days or so. Um, we've sold 50 copies so far. Hopefully we'll get that up a bit more. Um, I just had uh, in off the far post in Pokestown. They said they wanted to stock some books. So they've got it now. It's available there as well as on Amazon. And uh, I've got an interview, if I'm allowed to say it. Yeah, and, uh, of course. With um, Talk Sport on uh, the Hawksby and Jacobs show, which is on Wednesday the 18th of November at 3.30. So set your TVs to uh, record radio and see what I have to say then. But um, hopefully we can raise some more funds for Julius House. Yeah, that's right. And that's what people sometimes forget when, you know, when you're sort of retweeting it. They forget the uh, percentage that's going to Julius House. You're also doing something on talk radio as well, is that right? Yeah, I've got um, uh, Paul Ross um, as well. It's likely to interview me, but that, that's going to be a very late interview. Um, so it could be like three or four o'clock in the morning. If anybody's on a night shift, you might hear that one. I haven't got a date for that yet, but I've sent him a copy of the book and he should be um, calling me up soon for that. Oh, good stuff. Well, we're going to be giving away a copy of the book on the podcast, so stay tuned for that. Uh, it's an excellent book. It's weightier than I thought, uh, Peter, when I had it. Yeah, my hand nearly hit the ground. Sorry so about that. No, that's okay. <laughs> so um, expectations for the second half, more of the same, no, um, My prediction's rubbish as usual because I said nil-nil. Um, I thought the weather would be so bad that nobody would go near the goal. So um, let's just, uh, I'm happy with 1 0. Um, if we get another goal, great, but a clean sheet would be great for us today. Fingers crossed we'll hold on. Cheers, Peter. Oh, lucky Ryan Fraser chance from an Adam Smith cross. Excellently worked. A bit tame by Fraser, but it was quite high. Very difficult to get power on that. Obviously today was a great result. Um, I think it's one that's been coming because I think the performances recently, okay, Norwich was a bit of a disappointment, but against Arsenal we deserved more. Um, against Watford we created a lot more than we did against Norwich and I thought we we were unlucky not to get the goal. So today it was great to finally get that goal um, and it was a good goal as well, Josh King. Um, it'd be good if he could start scoring a bit more again, but... To be honest, wherever the goals come from, I'm I'm happy as long as we're we're getting the points. Um, but I just wanted to point out. I mean, everyone's been saying it on on social media, but the back four have been incredible recently. Um, three clean sheets in a row, which is unheard of for this team. Um, but I mean, Steve Cook. I don't know what he has to do to get a call up um, when people are like, um, keen are getting called up. Even Maguire. I mean, there was a defender on the pitch worth eighty million, and I. I wouldn't have said that he played for Man United. I'd have said it was one of ours, either Ake or Cook. 
I mean, I think we take Ake for granted now, um, just because we all know how good he is. But again, he's been he's been immense recently too. Rico's been un- unrecognisable from last year. Performance each performance he seems to be getting better. Today it looked like they were they were targeting him from the first minute. After a while, they they noticed that they couldn't do it because Rico was just too good for them, um, which I wouldn't have thought I'd be saying at the start of the season. So. Um, and then since Smithy's come back from his injury, we haven't conceded a goal, which I don't think is a coincidence. I think he's added a lot, not just in defence, but going forward as well. He's always making those runs going forward that we we miss when he's not there. Hi, Ashley here from the main stand. Um, well, that was better, wasn't it? Uh, it certainly took the edge off the World Cup final uh, in the morning, which was good. I wasn't sure when I saw the selection. Uh, I've been impressed with Dan Juma and I was disappointed to see him on the bench. And I think that disappointment sort of stretched into the first half where um, our issues around moving the ball too slowly and our inflexibility in our play continued. It was interesting watching the game with a neutral who hasn't seen much of us. Uh, he was astonished at, at our lack of urgency when we regained possession in potentially dangerous areas of the pitch and the fact that we looked to play, pull, uh, play the ball back into the centre-backs instead of driving um, forward into the available space. Anyway, all was forgiven at King's goal. And this seemed to give us a confidence which stayed with us uh, throughout the second half. We started to move the ball much more quickly um, and we had a little bit of the old swagger about us. United inevitably pushed us hard towards the end of the game, but I never felt um, they were going to score. Obviously, mainly due to Ake and also I thought in particular Cook, who were both superb. Rico had another good game. Um, I think we're all eating our words about him now, Um, particularly as it was quite clear that United used James to try and target him unsuccessfully as it turned out uh, because they took James off in the second half Billing and Lerma reduced United's creativity in the centre of the pitch and Fraser looked um, more his old self and and actually looked like he was enjoying himself going forward I was struck again by how much more effective Harry Wilson is when he's able to drift in field and hopefully we'll start to see more of that in the coming weeks Uh, having said that um, when Brooks return that might put a stop to that it'll be interesting to see what Eddie does actually when if both of those are fit finally up front I thought King was excellent uh, regardless of the goal and Callum grew into the game although some of his decision making possession in my opinion is still uh, pretty poor anyway up the cherries let's hope this is the start of a better run of form thanks very much I love the fact you texted in the first half and you said that Fraser and King and a few players had a glint of menace. Yeah. That was so true. It was, yeah. It was nice to see. Our movement was so much better. Uh, yeah, it was brilliant. So I think things have come together today. Yeah. Our world is saved down the other end. You know, we kept them in it. Yeah. So we probably should have had two. Yeah. I think we look good. Hitting the ball out at pace from the back. Yeah, I agree. More confidence with the passes. That was a big difference for me because often the balls have been slow going out yeah. wide. They just there's a bit more belief, I think. I think it's all important. I've I criticised Harry Wilson last time I sent my my thoughts in, but he's been much better since Arsenal. He's he was the best player on the pitch against Norwich, I thought. Um, he looked good when he came on against uh, Watford, and then today he was he was a, constantly a threat. But he's doing the defensive things now as well, which he wasn't doing in the past. He was covering back. Um, and he, he looks creative and although he hasn't scored recently um, he's showing to me that he's more than just someone who can hit the ball from outside the box So 
So, yeah, there we go. Those were the fans' thoughts from the weekend. Really great to have some new contributors via the YouTube channel, including Ian Reid, amongst a couple of others. Thank you very much for coming on air. And also, Ashley and Mark as well. Your thoughts are always appreciated. Great to catch up with Peter Bell and stay tuned as we'll provide information on how you can get your hands on that Eddie Had a Dream book later on in the show. So with me is Jeff Hayward. Jeff, how are you? I'm very good, Sam. How uh, how did you enjoy yesterday? Uh, terrific. In fact, um, I watched the highlights this morning on Match of the Day. There is nothing better than seeing a goal and seeing yourself in the background going like that and holding it on free stream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My son was wearing a green top, which a tip if you want to watch yourself a match of the day, wear something bright because you can spot yourself much easier, much more easily. Excellent as well. And uh, Joe, of course, came on the YouTube channel as well, and lots of uh, positive comments about his contribution after the game, which was uh, which was really great. And it was great to catch up with you as well, um, albeit in not so good circumstances with England uh, failing at the final hurdle against South Africa in the Rugby World Cup final. It was dire. Yeah, wasn't it? it was dire. But last week we thrashed New Zealand, and then we were a bit turgid, weren't we, in the afternoon? So. Nice to have a flip side, I think. Yeah, that's right. So Manchester United then, the conditions weren't exactly great, but do you remember that game, first game of the Premier League season? Uh, well, the first match against Manchester United in our first season. Uh, we won 2-1 and it was almost a repeat of those conditions. But when you saw the team sheets come out at half 11, what were you thinking with the lineup that we had? Well, there's been a lot of talk this week about the formations, about the personnel, um... And, uh, you know, all valid comments, I think. Um, we were we were discussing a few weeks ago about playing a 4-3-3. Um, and would that give us greater flexibility? When you saw that team sheet, though, obviously Eddie decided he's going to stick with uh, the pretty much the same personnel. I mean, probably the one major change was swapping the flanks uh, for Fraser and bringing Harry Wilson back into the side instead of Dan Juma. But essentially, you looked at that and thought, he's going to play the same way. And honestly, I was interested to see how that would go. We were talking beforehand about it. And um, it, yeah, you know, it, I, I don't think any of us wanted the same sort of flat nil-nil performance that we'd had the last couple of weeks with that sort of formation. So Eddie obviously had been working with them on the training ground. And I think when the lineup came out, a bit of trepidation, particularly with United having come off the back of three wins away from home and a convincing performance against Norwich last weekend. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Um, I myself, when I saw the team, I mean, I think a lot of fans are willing us to play a 4-3-3 or a sort of flexible formation, but there did seem to be a little bit of flexibility yesterday uh, with Harry Wilson cutting inside a lot more, and that's what he did at the end of Watford. And I think any time he comes through that central spine of the pitch, I think he does look fairly decent. Um, but we started off actually quite well. Uh, Manchester United overall had more uh, possession in the game, but it didn't actually feel like that but one thing that was noticeable when we play Manchester City I'm going to say the big teams because can you class Man United in that bracket anymore not sure you can but we didn't seem to give them that respect that we always do to say as I said Liverpool Man City we played on the front foot and that was really pleasing to see wasn't it I think the Manchester United team that were in front of us uh, if you compare it to the side that we played last year when we were on a good run of form and we were uh, 
I think well, they were the 11th game of the season. We'd won six of those first 10 games last season when we played them. We were all feeling this is the game we can we can beat a United team. They were so much stronger last year. On a, on a, you know, you look at the players that they had in that team yesterday. McTominay and Fred do not fill you with uh, any sense of fear in the middle. Um, the 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 um, the back four you can get at that back four, and as we did during the game, and you know all we had to worry about was uh, was Rashford and Martial and James as their their strikers, but you know they were up against our back four, weren't they, Sam? Yeah, well, exactly. And it seemed to be, you know, whilst I said we were on the front foot, uh, what I mean is that we we were relatively deep, but we were playing on the counter uh, like we tend to like to do. Uh, but it seemed to me that they were targeting Rico quite a bit, uh, playing it on their right hand side, our left. But every time Rico stood up to the task, didn't he? And the improvement in that guy is just phenomenal. I, I... I would like to call out Diego Rico as one of the star finds of this season now. The way he's playing, um, what a transformation. Uh, uh, Eddie improves players. I think he's got used to the system. I think he understands the way we want him to play. He's playing with more confidence. And he's playing with that passion that Bournemouth left-backs have to play with. Charlie Daniels has it. You know, you're not going to let that guy past you. You're not going to be beaten. He was up against James, and I think early on, there were fir- the first one or two uh, times when they got down that left side, you know, he looked a little bit vulnerable, but then I think it was about the 10th or 11th minute where he absolutely steamrolled into a challenge on that left-hand side, and you thought, yeah, he's up for it. And from that moment on, didn't feel at all concerned. Um, he, mm. was, he was superb. The back four, the back five were outstanding oh. yesterday. And I'm so pleased for Steve Cook that he's got the plaudits that he deserves. I think it was Ian Wright, was it, on Match of the Day that was waxing lyrical about him, and rightly so. Um, It seems to be on Match of the Day they show their sort of 10 minutes highlights package, but when they do uh, the review of the game afterwards, they also include extra footage that isn't shown during that highlight sequence. And you see a number of challenges that he makes that looks him look, look like a world beater. And... I'm not sure whether he mentioned Gareth Southgate, but a number of people on Twitter, though the momentum is building for the guy. Um, but yeah, him and Ake were solid at the back. And then with Smith on the right, we've got our back four, haven't we? They, they were immense. And I thought what they pulled out in those highlights last night was the, the teamwork between Ake and, and Cook. They really understand their positioning, how each other plays, who's covering who, you know, it's almost it's almost natural and that's going across the entire back four now. I think I think the centre halves understand how Rico plays. Um, as do the midfield. I thought I thought Rico got a lot of really great support from uh, Billing in particular on that left hand side supporting him yesterday. Um, and just just though that combination of the back four with Ramsdale behind, you know, it is solid. The last three games, solid. And um, yeah, Rashford and Martial, we limited them to four shots. Mm. Their XG yesterday was less than one. I mean, their international strike force, not a patch on our defence. 
Yeah, and it was so good to see the goal drought ended. We had chances before that, though, and one of the goals reminded me of uh, Leicester last... No, sorry, Watford last season uh, in a, that mad thrill game at Dean Court. The ball started on the right-hand side, and as it happened, it worked its way out to the left. In that match, it was a series of dummies that got it out to Fraser, but this time, the ball was fed to King, and that was a really good chance. Fraser played it... Um, it was a bit of a tame shot in the end. However, it started off in a position deep in our own half, and, um, you know, against the quality sides, it's very difficult to break through like that, which maybe indicates how poor Man United were in the middle of the park, but also how excellent we were as well. And it was that counter-attacking style that we just love to see back at Dean Court, isn't it? It it was. It was moving the ball at pace. And, and that's what we're good at. There were several things I thought that you could pick out yesterday. Uh, you're right, the way we, we got the ball forward much more quickly was really interesting to see, and I think that, that ran throughout the team. Uh, there was an urgency about how we got that ball up upfield, which was really pleasing to see. And um, there was a another thing that I haven't seen much this season, where the ball comes in from uh, the flank to the midfield player, and in that position, do you remember Arta in the championship used to play left-footed, right-footed, through balls, down the channels, instinctively, yes. first time. And Billing did that yesterday for Wilson and for King a couple of times. And it just makes such a difference. And Wilson and King were making those runs and almost like, you know, they were instinctively ball in first time, channel behind the centre-halves and pulling them out of the, the penalty area. That happened a number of times. Haven't seen that much this season, so that that was really pleasing to see. Um, and I think the way that we um, we were much more fluid last week and against Norwich, it felt all a bit static. You know, the players were in those positions and stuck in those positions. Whereas yesterday, Wilson was coming in from the flank and playing almost like a number ten. And they were swapping flanks, even Wilson and Fraser at yeah. times, which was really good to see. United were thrown by that. They didn't they didn't know how to cope with it. And the goal itself was, was part of that kind of overloading of the flanks. Um, we had mm. we had Wilson, Fraser, Adam Smith all over there on that right hand side. United didn't know what was going on. Chaos. Yeah, that's right. And uh, as you say, the swapping of the flanks, Fraser on the right-hand side at that point. I think it all started with Rico on the left, who played a ball, a low ball. A low ball seemed to be the order of the day. Um, they were, We had a couple of chances manufactured in the second half where Callum Wilson put Harry Wilson in, etc. But um, obviously the conditions uh, weren't great. You'll have seen that uh, goal kick that Aaron Ramsdale had in the second half that started, look, looked like it was going out into the main stand and then pretty much ended in the east stand. It was, it was crazy. But as you say, the goal, yeah, um, from the left, worked over to the right-hand side. Lovely bit of combination play. Cross came over and Josh King chested it, used his strength to hold off his markers and then sort of knowing that he was getting touches on his back on the right-hand side from Wampasaka, just put it over his head to the left, turned and shot into the ground. What a great goal that was. But I don't know about you, but from where I was in the North Stand, it felt like it was going to... It felt like it was an eternity before the get, before the ball came down to Josh King. I was half expecting a VAR check for the amount of time that stood still <laughs> while he did that. Because, honestly, it was bonkers. The the Manchester United defending... I mean, we talked about our defence playing as a unit. Their defence played as individuals, I think. Mm. Wan-Bissaka, yeah, Maguire, Lindelof and, and Ashley Young. They're all fine players as individuals, but... You watch that goal again and you think, well, Wambasaka, number one, 
it, it, he was left pretty much one on one for like a, a 10, 15 seconds against King. And King did, you know, spin him really well and, and, and volleyed really well and a great goal. Mm. However, he's being watched by Lindelof. He's being watched by McTominay. He's being watched by Maguire. They're all sort of staring at it, thinking, mm. you know, what are you doing? You can't just leave the guy six yards out one on one like that. No, I, I thought it was it was typified where their team is at and where our our team is at. A different place. Yeah, completely. And uh, it was so good to go in at one up. I wasn't expecting it at all. Um, but what a good time to score. And then we seemed to carry on the momentum into the second half. And yeah, we we had a number of chances. Um, we had a free kick on the edge where we burst forward. It was so nice to see that um, almost reckless sort of attacking that we do and Adam Smith uh, bursted forward I thought for a minute it was a penalty but it was on the edge and uh, Harry Wilson took it blazed over but Rico really wanted that free kick and as we know he's got a golden left foot yeah I I think um, actually uh, we've talked about Rico playing really well I thought Harry Wilson that was his best game for us yesterday Um, he's he's scored a number of goals I know and and you can't take that away from him, but his overall contribution to the rest of the team, the rest of the play, I thought was outstanding yesterday. He had several shots. Um, there was one a little bit later, which which um, De Gea pulled off a, a fine save from. Um, he, he nearly scored as well when that ball went in from Wilson and, and King mm. um, nearly He's got the bounce. Yeah, right. yeah, so... so um, but actually, it was just his overall... The, the, the impact he made to the fluidity of how we played, I thought was was different class yesterday. And um, and he was unlucky. I thought that free kick, I was calling it to the guy next to me. I was saying, top corner, top corner, and felt mm. a bit embarrassed when it was actually, you know, nearly over the... Over yeah, the yeah, uh, yeah, row H or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, um, I, I, you know, I thought he did well as well. Uh, it's weird. St- I mean, I'm looking at a couple of tweets on Twitter, but the sort of naysayers about Harry Wilson are definitely uh, diminishing. And uh, there were a lot of people that do say it was his best game, and I thought it was. And I don't think Fraser had a particularly bad game either. I thought he was improved, and that that's all we can ask for, just an improvement game on game. Um, and I, you know, I think he will get back to those levels. I hope so, because there was that that spell where his head seemed to have dropped. And as you say, we did create chances in the second half, but also you briefly alluded to Aaron Ramsdale uh, being incredible at the back and produced a number of good saves. And also from from where I saw in the North Stand, I didn't realise they hit the post. Yeah, that that was uh, their one chance, I thought. Uh, the one clear chance. I mean, uh, it was the sub, Greenwood, who's uh, one of their rising stars, came on with 10 minutes to go ball went over Rico's head slightly misjudged it um which you know it was windy and that it was it was a, a, a foul day to be a defender I thought yesterday um but uh but yeah he hit the near post he took it on his probably his wrong foot he should have taken it on his right foot not his left because he's only going to be able to aim for that near post area Ramsdale had that near post cover it wasn't going to go in you know, uh, I, honestly, I wasn't that bothered. <laughs> no, no. And yeah, we ran out 1-0 winners and I think it was a well-deserved three points. But then I looked at some of the quotes after the game uh, in the mix zone. Uh, Manchester United manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was chatting to the BBC and said, you are always very down when you lose. And considering the form we were in, we were hoping to take three points. We couldn't capitalise on the good start. And a moment of magic won the game for them. Sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and say, well done. 
some of the comments that I hear from Ole are bizarre, really. And you just kind of think, how long are Man United going to give them? Because the fans were chanting. I think it was Ian Reid who said in an interview after the game on the fan chats on YouTube that the fans were chanting his name at the end of the 90 minutes. And you just think, what what is this blind loyalty they've got? Are they still thinking back to his his goal in Barcelona in nineteen ninety nine? It's it's crazy. But um, whilst the personnel on the pitch are not particularly great and are no way near top six quality, sometimes I question Solskjaer's decisions as well with formation and personnel as well. Yeah, I think he inhabits a different reality. If he thinks that team is top four or should be winning games to be in the top four, is yeah, disconnected. Disconnected, I think, from the majority of United fans as well. I mean, there were there were two sitting in front of me in the Bournemouth end um, after the game who were saying, you know, they kind of half expected to lose because that's wow. where the team is. And you think, hang on a minute, you're Manchester United. Um, there was a chant that rang out. I think it was in the uh, second half where. Um, we were all singing "You're Not Famous Anymore," and that's mm. true, isn't it? You know, that's a that's a mark of where they're at. Um, where yesterday, I thought there there were three things that stood out for me about United. Uh, I think they're brittle in the the way they play. Mm. They're not a team. They're individuals, and sometimes that works for them. Sometimes it doesn't, and it didn't work for them yesterday. I thought their football was bland. Um, didn't didn't offer anything creative. Really, there was there was no kind of inspired football that you saw either defensively or going forward I thought and I thought the kit was the most bizarre beige number that I've mm. ever seen which reminded me of that grey kit they wore those years ago and they got talked by Southampton yeah 6-3 I think it was changed the kit uh, at half time yeah uh, when you when you see a team sort of you know it was it was as bland as their performance I thought just was really going nowhere yeah rubbish. In fact, uh, Man United have lost all six Premier League away games where they've fallen behind and they failed to keep a clean sheet in any of their last 11 Premier League away games. So that shows you how bad it's got. And he's been given more time than I thought that he would get, to be honest. There was a stage where he started with United and I thought, oh, actually, maybe he is the man. But when you look at his resume or his CV, um, it's not particularly great. And to be thrust into this position, you kind of wonder, you are a lucky man. Yeah, the United fans I've been talking to uh, about this game, several weeks ago they were anticipating that he was not going to be there anymore. And actually, um, I, I said to you last week, if Solskjaer's still there, I think we'll win. And mm. if it, the, the worst thing that could have happened for us would have been if somebody else had been brought in for this game and they'd have had a new manager bounce. Otherwise, I thought always thought we had a good chance yesterday. Interestingly, Bournemouth's four wins this season have come from the five games in which they've had the least amount of possession. Uh, Yesterday we had 42.5%. Didn't particularly feel like Man United were dominating the ball. Well, not in the first half. In the second half, they did have a fair amount of the ball in the middle, but they just absolutely had no penetration. But, I mean, it was a deserved three points, wasn't it? And to be fair, the scoreline flattered them, maybe. Yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure what to read into that stat. Um, it didn't feel like we were um, being dominated by them at all. I think um, maybe maybe just because we're moving the ball quicker and that's a sort of higher risk element to it, you know. But we're getting the ball forward. I mean, I think we we had was it 15 shots yesterday in the game, which is you know pretty respectable, and and that seems a little bit at odds with having 40% possession. Mm. Um, 
we did play um, a little bit more on the break than we did last week, um, but still, I thought we were we were composed throughout, and it it felt like we dominated and totally deserved to win that game, which we did. Yeah, cool. Okay, so just to finish off, we'll go over some of the players that we haven't touched on so far. I mean, uh, we haven't overly mentioned Nathan Ake, but he's always a solid 8 out of 10, isn't he? Uh, Thought he was very good, and um, for once, it wasn't him that got the plaudits at the end. Uh, Usually it is, and Steve Cook's very uh, much kind of overlooked. But again, solid performance from him, and also Adam Smith on the right. On that right side, um, sorry, yeah, on that right side of defence, um, Adam Smith, I thought, looked incredibly strong. And then that centre-back pairing as well. So, Nathan Ake, your thoughts on him? I thought Nathan was superb again. Uh, just just the combination, that the, the two of them play really well together. They've, their understanding is terrific. You cannot see uh, Ake being pushed out to play left-back again this season no, I don't think never. it just makes no sense and uh, keep Cook and Ake together and we look really solid I think Adam's what what Adam brings is that energy that I thought we were missing a little bit with Stacey you know yeah. and it's not saying anything bad about Jack Stacey I thought he played well when he was in the team but it's just Adam's got that um, I don't know just that kind of self-belief to to carry the ball forward and just go for it much more you know he's the one who made the Crossford Kings goal um, he just he just fills you with a bit more confidence. Um, but I also I think big shout out to Jefferson Lerma. Yeah. Wow, you know we we love that guy. Um, every week in week out he is holding that midfield role for us and playing a blinder. He did again yesterday. I thought he was outstanding. Um, works really well with Phil Billing. I thought Billing played with a bit more. Um, energy and, and and was putting his body on the line a bit more as well than, than perhaps he did last week. So all across the, the the team, I thought they were heroes yesterday. Really brilliant, except for one player. Go on. And are you going to mention the C word? Mm, Interesting. Yeah, yeah I... Um, I'm a little bit concerned about Callum. I think he's... Uh, he was... A little bit off the pace again yesterday. He it was better than he was the last couple of weeks, but uh, still, it's not quite happening for him at the moment. And um, yeah, it's not been the same since he came back from that international break where he was away with England. And I I, I recall a comment he made at the start of the season where he felt he needed a rest after playing in the Nations League stuff and didn't perhaps have a great pre-season. Well. It, it feels like he's gone back to that level of playing mm. at the, the first few games of the season. So, yeah, what are we going to do about Callum, Sam? Yeah, um, and that's where I think I was just about to make this point, actually, and you've just reminded me. In most of the areas on the pitch now, we have got really good understudies. Uh, with Ramsdale, we've got Travers, who's obviously done well in the Cup. Um, Arta Boric can come in if needed. Uh, right back, Simon Francis. And then you've got another level, Jack Stacey. Um, centre-back, uh, you know, Chris Meppham can do a job, but then there are other players that can slot in at centre-back as well, like Simon Francis. Left side, how strong is that? Lloyd Kelly's waiting in the wings. Charlie Daniels, eventually, maybe he'll come back from injury and be a person who's contesting in the centre of the park. You got Gosling, always an engine, rarely lets us down. His distribution is not great, but he's a he's a disruptor. Philip Billing, Jefferson Lerma, Lewis Cook on the wings. I could go on, you know, Dan mm. Juma, Ryan Fraser, Harry Wilson. Um, lots of options there. 
And then it comes to up front, where you've got Josh King, uh, who also can play on the wing, of course, Callum Wilson, and then Dom Solanke. That's maybe one of the the positions where we are looking a bit short. And really, I think maybe down to Dom Solanke's uh, lack of goals is maybe why Callum Wilson is is always first pick up front. So maybe he hasn't got that much competition. But yeah, you're right. He looks a bit sluggish. Uh, doesn't seem to get um, the shots on goal that he used to. Maybe that's down to how we've been recently. I'm not sure. I thought he played a little bit better yesterday. Uh, created that Harry Wilson chance on the right-hand side and always holds it up well. But if you were going to say that there was one player that wasn't the performer yesterday, you would have to say it's Callum. Yeah, he was just a little bit below par. His touch was a little bit off occasionally, and um, it, yeah, I, I I I agree. Solanke is the obvious replacement, but um, we all know that he's a little bit short on confidence. Um, just just a word about um, Lise Mousset, who played that role last season yeah. as the obvious replacement for Callum. And there he is being given a run in the Sheffield United side and was instrumental in their 3-0 win yesterday. In fact, he contributed to all three goals. And Mm. whenever he came on the pitch for us, he never looked quite at home. And maybe one or two strong games. And I I wonder whether... um, Oh, I don't don't know, you know... (laughs) If you if you if you take Callum out for a few games and give Solanke a starting role for like a run of three to five games, would that would that see Solanke break his duck and would mm. that materially affect our performance? Or do you stick with Callum and say he's gonna he's gonna come good, just just bear with him because we know he's he's ultimately he's a class player. Well, this is the importance of cup runs, really. But whenever we've had cup runs, we seem to just completely lose it. And if we have a run in the Carabao Cup, you can have players like that who can get certain amount of matches however of course um we fell at the first, well the second hurdle in the end when we went away to Burton I, I just hope we can have a reasonable run in the FA Cup where players like you know Dom Solanke may be able to get a run of a few games but you know knowing how we treat the FA Cup who knows how that's going to be um but mm. if so obviously there's always transfer rumours uh you know Towards the end of last season, it was Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson at the start of the season when he's scoring the goals. Nathan Ake is always going to be touted. OK, apart from Nathan Ake, mm. who's the player that you're most worried about leaving the club in terms of a bigger club, you know, coming in and plucking him? Apart from Nathan Ake? That's a really good question. Mm. Uh, it's I, a difficult one. I would say uh, Jefferson Lerma is mm. our most valuable player. Yeah. And um, I think we could probably survive most other players leaving. Um, but Ake, Lerma, and who knows, you know, the way Ramsdale's playing, I don't want to lose him because a mm. good solid goalkeeper is hard to find and uh, he's having a fine season. Mm, yeah, that's right. So what a win it was. Really pleased that Cherries managed to get three points on the board. We didn't think it was going to work that way round, drawing against Norwich and then Watford. But three points against United and then next week it's off to Newcastle. Now, 
just before we get to the chat about Newcastle, after the game on Saturday, I managed to catch an extended chat with Peter Rutzler, who's the AFC Bournemouth correspondent from The Athletic. Now, if you've not heard of The Athletic, it is a quality website producing some really engaging AFC Bournemouth content. But it's not only AFC Bournemouth they cover, it is all of the Premier League and other sports too. Um, But my words aren't the best to explain it. But here's some of the chat with Peter Rutzler to explain what it's all about. Yeah, we're a a new media outlet, I guess. Um, We moved into the UK in the summer. It was based in America. Uh, They basically had all the beat reporters from NBA, basketball, uh, American football, baseball, put them all together in one place and then basically gave them the freedom to write as much in more detail, more features, more in-depth, more insight um, than your traditional press. And they decided to move into the Premier League in, uh, this summer. And they recruited from all the national papers, caused all sorts of chaos in different newsrooms. Um, and yeah, and they, they have individual reporters in every club. And I am the Bournemouth reporter. Mm. Uh, so I cover the club week in, week out. I write a few features a week, trying to get more insight, more detail, more tactical analysis than there is normally with Bournemouth mm. you know, as we were talking about before yeah. there's not very much of that going on in, in, in mainstream press so yeah it's it's the idea is to offer more in-depth features with more insight and I think generally it's been quite popular so far it is subscription so they pay a small fee per month yeah. but going forward it's uh, yeah goes it's going well so far so I've seen a number of your pieces. Uh, some of them uh, were talking about Callum Wilson and his ACL, which was a really interesting piece. Um, Steve Cook, you had a piece on him earlier on in the week about his 150th appearance and the way he spearheads, the way he spearheads uh, the AOC ball with defence. I mean, Nathan Ake does get the plaudits, but Steve Cook's very much underrated. And what performance it was today? Yeah, it was very fitting for him to mark his 150th performance Premier League performance with one like that today mm. um, yeah so I did a comment on, on Friday just because he is you know he's unheralded like he is overlooked um, I mean there was one stat that I found out from a fan you know that 15 or 16 times he's been nominated for player of the month mm. but hasn't won it and that's the club's you know player <laughs> of the month award so um, I kind of ref, you know reflects how he's perceived I think you know he's been with the club since what 2012 time for 170 grand come through from League One to the Premier League you know and he can put in a performance like that against Manchester United who you know they're not the Manchester United who rampage to Premier League titles but we said before they signed Harry Maguire for 80 million you know these are players on huge wages on a different financial stratosphere and you know Steve Cook's holding his own and sure Nathan Ake was outstanding we could talk about the whole back four they were all brilliant they have been for a month but you know I think for Cook today to mark his 150th Premier League performance with a display like that is, is important and people will talk about him and hopefully they will you know, t- uh, this weekend after the result because you know, he's crucial to that clean sheet mm. and Bournemouth's run of clean sheets really. Mm. So as a journalist who's kind of worked in sport for quite a while, how have you found AFC Bournemouth? Are they quite mm. an open club? Have you got a good relationship with them? A fantastic club, genuinely a fantastic club. Um, they offer really good insight, very good with access to players especially, but I guess that's part of the, the ethos of the club, the philosophy. Um, it's a family club, it's a community club, and you know they, they encourage players to speak out, to talk to the press. They, you know, the manager's always open. Um, you know, I, I think that's always been the case, especially with Eddie, with press conferences. You know, they have 
young reporters come down from yeah. the university and he will always answer any questions they have and give him and give them really good answers too. So coming into it fresh from the outside, having you know been to other clubs before, it's it is a very open club definitely, and, and that helps me because I, I want to try and provide fans with as much insight as I possibly can, um, and they're open to that. And you know I think that's been reflected in some of the stories I've been able to do, like like the Callum Wilson piece. Mm. You know they were, they let me speak to the medical department and they talked about it and the process and. Yeah, that's that's quite a big thing for a Premier League club to do. So, and I think they they value keeping that their door open. Mm. You know, obviously they, it's within reason. They are still, you know, a club and they want to maintain their own image and they have their own sort of media mm. outlet too. But um, no, they're a fantastic. Club. Do you find that the background of the club uh, lends itself to creating very unique stories? Because a lot of fans and the wider media of they they picture it as a fairy tale story for FC Bournemouth which in many ways it is obviously there was money behind it but does that sort of help you in some ways to create very engaging stories because a lot of your a lot of your pieces are very engaging and it helps that we sort of came from this sort of rags to riches story yeah I mean there are so many stories to tell and I, I I think the fact that it was so recent that the club were in the lower leagues, it does it does help me tell stories. It means players are more happy to talk, past players too. Um, I definitely think, you know, from the stuff I've done so far, I think that the story is more nuanced than that. And I think everyone sort of knows the fairy tale. That's kind of some of the feedback I've got as well from fans. You know, everyone knows that story, but they want to hear it differently or the young sung voices or different periods or different people. And... Uh, it's important that you know when I do you know, reference it and talk about it, it's, it's talked about in the right way in the right context. But at the same time, there, there are more stories to tell. I yeah. think beyond that, to do with the club and the club's history, and I think it's finding a balance really. Mm-hmm. I've, I've written all sorts of stuff. You know, there's the basis, basic stuff from the present and now, and the tactical and and whatever. But then there's also the, the historic stuff and, and finding a balance. But as I was saying before, I think you know the story is fantastic and people really value that and love it. And I think. It has been done a lot, actually, really. And I think what fans, what people have told me, is that they like to know as much about now, you know, what's going on now, what's the future, the training ground, for instance, or, you know, there's talk about the new stadium and, and that kind of information, you know, what's going on in the dressing room and what's the squad like, what's Eddie's thinking and about things, the future. And, and that's the kind of thing that can be overlooked with Bournemouth until mm. you, know, you get the odd story every now and again but never you know with as much insight or detail mm. so trying to work on those is, is something I'd, I'd like to do and offer more and that's what mm. I'm aiming to do at The Athletic really. So yep there we go that's Peter Rutzler from The Athletic and if you want to give it a go there is a free trial link which is theathletic.com slash UK free trial that's theathletic.com slash UK free trial. If you want to see more of that interview, head to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash AFCB, or just hit the link in our Twitter bio or the watch video button on our Facebook page. Great to chat to Peter. And there are a number of people I follow on Twitter who, to be fair, were very sceptical about this kind of paid-for journalism where you're paying a monthly subscription. But many people some of whom I would say are quite cynical when it comes to their views on Twitter, have been saying how incredible it has been. The depth of journalism and the research that has gone into each and every article, not just Peter's, but across the board, is second to none. So do check The Athletic out. Hi, this is Gary Chapman, the bloke who stands in the back of the North Stand shouting, Up the cherries! You're listening to Back of the Net. 
So next Saturday, AFC Bournemouth fans are going to be waking up nice and early for a trip to St. James's Park. Actually uh, chatting to Josh on some of the previous YouTube videos, he even quoted the service stations that uh, <laughs> AFC Bournemouth fans stop off at. And it's a long old trip. The coaches are leaving Dean Court at 5am. In time for a three o'clock kickoff and Newcastle, Jeff, they're going to be perhaps recently revitalised a 3-2 win against West Ham which was the first time they've scored more than one goal in a game this season <laughs> yeah um, they're a funny team I think they've had some outstanding performances this season they beat United like we did 1-0 uh, they went away and beat Spurs 1-0 which mm. you know decent result but then uh, they got absolutely tonked by Leicester 5-0. And then they go away and beat West Ham 3-2 yesterday. So you're not quite sure what you're going to get. Um, I think they'll probably feel uh, that this is a time where they could go for back-to-back -back wins. I think they'll probably feel quite confident. Mm. Um, and yesterday, what was quite interesting was that uh, West Ham were really poor. Yeah. Um, they were they were very poor. Anyone anyone uh, listening to this, catch the highlights and you'll see what we mean. Um, however, Newcastle for the first time that I've seen this season had a had a decent goal threat. Um, they seem to have worked on set pieces because three of their goals were all three of the goals were set piece goals. Yeah, and uh, also notes that five of Newcastle's Premier League goals this season have come via defenders this season more than any other side. So they've got goal threats all around the pitch. But one of the players that particularly impressed you was uh, St Maximin, wasn't it? And he, he should have got on the score sheet, shouldn't he? Yeah, he reminds me a, a bit of uh, the Wolves player, Traore, super fast. Um, and there were a couple of times yesterday where he basically burst forward, uh, long ball over the top, and West Ham's defence were nowhere, and they just one-on-one -on -one with the keeper. Uh, he messed it up both times, that uh, the, the highlight show, but yet he's got pace, and we do need to be aware of that. Um that kind of long ball over the top will probably be probably be a ploy, I think, next week. Mm. Um, as will the set piece, because you're right, defenders uh, two, scored two of the goals yesterday. The third was a shelfy one, which actually the keeper should have saved. Um, and Dubravka is a decent keeper, so it's not mm. going to be easy. Um, I think it'll probably be quite a low-scoring game, but we should play with a bit more confidence as well after yesterday, I feel. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. And uh, yeah, Dubravka impressed me in the two-all match at the Vitality last season. Uh, he is a good keeper. Uh, obviously, we're going to be without Jefferson Lerma. Picked up a yellow card uh, against Manchester United. And in some of the videos that I did after the game, uh, many people just without question saying that Lewis Cook is the man to replace him. Do you subscribe to that? Absolutely. I think it will probably be a bit too early for Gosling to start, although maybe he might make the bench. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's Billing probably playing slightly deeper um, with Lewis, Lewis Cook. And that worked really well for us against Everton. So I don't have any major concerns, although, you know, Lemo has been a rock, as we said. So we will miss him. Um, I think what's going to be more critical is how how we play... Uh, with Fraser and Wilson again on the flanks and how those combinations work away from home uh, on a on a what will undoubtedly be a wild and freezing cold Newcastle November day. 
Yeah, that's right. And I hope AC Bournemouth fans bring their oxygen supplies when they are going up the uh, stairwells at St James's Park because, yeah, it is it is high up and it is exposed. But we've had some good results there, hoping that we can uh, get a result. And I'm, I'm actually feeling fairly a bit more confident after the Man United game. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm expecting Bournemouth to win, Jeff. I'm going to go for uh, a 2-0 Bournemouth win. And uh, what's quite pleasing is the fact, against Man United, I felt as though we were at 75%, 80% maybe of where we can be. Uh, yes, it is Manchester United who have been on the decline for quite a while now. However, the fact that we're getting those results... Um, is very impressive. So if we can hit those levels again, even if it's not you know top notch, we've got you know we've got a good chance. And yeah, Newcastle aren't particularly great. We know that they can be uh, you know beaten tactically. And I'm going for a two 0 win. What are you thinking? Well, last year uh, I mentioned the game that we played against United at Dean Court last year, and we went down two one. And then I think it was the next game we were away at Newcastle. Um, last season and we got bullied they lumped it to the big centre forward who scored twice for them and they came out 2-1 winners last year Um, so I'm thinking well we know that's probably what they're going to try and do with Joe Linton and certainly the goals they scored yesterday with big defenders from the back heading in uh, they'll probably think we're vulnerable from set pieces and and probably target us again trying to play like that Um, but I'm a great believer in symmetry of results. So we went back-to-back 2-1 defeats, Manchester United-Newcastle last year. I'm going to go back-to-back 1-0 victories. Excellent, excellent. Jeff, once again, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Sam. Great pleasure. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to the, the games up to Christmas. Should be some great victories to talk about. that I chatted to Peter Bell, the author of the Eddie Had a Dream book. Really interesting to catch up because it's great to know about how the book sales are going and also the kind of media appearances he's got lined up. There's Talk Sport, Talk Radio, a number of other interviews that he's doing and it's great to see momentum really going with the book. I know that you can order it now also at In Off The Post as well if you want to pop down there. So Peter's really pleased with the way it's going, but what he has done is given me a copy that I can give away on the podcast. Yeah, that's right. Eddie had a dream. It's a weighty book and um, the amount of chapters in it, it goes into some depth, I can tell you. It is a must-have and it is definitely a stocking filler. It is usually $13.99, but $9.99 for the digital edition, all available on Amazon. Uh, I'll pop the links on the description on the tweet in the week, which I'll need you to retweet because that's all you'll need to do to be in with a chance to win. Just keep an eye on our socials. We'll we'll let the commotion die down of the Man United win. So we'll probably pop it out on Wednesday. So if you check that out and also Facebook and Instagram, you'll see how you can enter. It will be really simple to actually put your name in the hat. And then what we'll do next week, we will announce the winner and then I'll get it mailed out. So, yeah, for your chance 
to be in to win, just keep an eye on our socials and it's probably going to be on Wednesday and then we'll mail it out to you first class. Cool. Well, that's nearly it for another show. But, of course, we do need to do the Do You Remember answer, of course, don't we? And I asked you to name the most five recent players who have played for both Manchester United and Bournemouth. And I will name them in reverse order. So, firstly, we've got one now. Of course, Joshua King. Yeah, he played for Manchester United back in the day. And, of course, he's now scoring goals for fun against David De Gea. The next one... John O'Shea. Yeah, do you remember him? He also played for Waterford United, Royal Antwerp, Sunderland and Reading. Of course, the BT Sport pundit that I was alluding to was Rio Ferdinand. And then there were a couple that may... Will you have got it? Well, the first one, Paul Tether. Do you remember him? Man United to Bournemouth to Kids Growth Athletic to Northwich Victoria. What a trajectory. And then Chris Casper. He was only on loan with us, but after uh, he came to us, he then went to Swindon Town and then finished his career at Reading. So those were the five most recent. Josh King, John O'Shea, Rio, Paul Tether and Chris Casper. Well done if you got those correct credits to you. And credit to you for listening to my voice for this past, whatever it is, 55 minutes. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, really do appreciate it. And everyone that also appeared on YouTube as well. So just to wrap up, if you enjoyed this podcast, would really appreciate it. I keep saying this every week, but if you're able to just pop onto your app and then just leave a quick review because it really helps us. Uh, I'm not in the game of doing what we did last time and asking for financial donations and all that. If you have a beer with Beer 52, well, you'll be helping the podcast anyway. I'll tell you a little bit about Beer 52 because they traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries that planet Earth has to offer. There's an abundance of beer that you've never imagined and they are on a mission to find it and deliver it to their members each and every month. So you get your first month free, just covering delivery of 4 10 bottles of beer, a snack and a magazine. Brilliant. Beer52.com slash AFCB. That's beer52.com slash AFCB. So yeah, if you can leave a, a review, great. And wherever you saw this podcast, if it was a tweet, just do a simple retweet. And on Facebook, feel free to share it as well. Really appreciate all the positive comments that we've been having. Uh, make sure you pop over to YouTube as well and subscribe there because you can see me and Jeff. I know your, your monitor will probably break when you see our faces, but you can give it a go. And also, I did attempt a match day experience vlog. Um, I've got my own sort of issues with doing those kind of videos because I, I know they're great. And I've seen these limbs videos on, on YouTube that look amazing where they show fans celebrating and they get so many views. But in my mind, I want to just enjoy the game without worrying about getting my phone out. I tried it against Man United. I, I didn't capture the goal live, of course, but then uh, about 15 seconds after, I sort of captured our celebrations. By that time, they'd pretty much died down. So it was, very, it was very muted by that point. And opposition fans will probably be coming on telling us how 
awful our support is, but it wasn't the case. It was just the fact that I wasn't recording there and then. Maybe I'll try something with a GoPro in future where I don't have to, have to worry about thinking about recording. But let me know what you think about that video on the comments. If it's any good, then maybe I'll do it again. But if not, don't worry. I'll just, I think I'll just leave it. Stick to doing these audio recordings. Seems to work for the podcast anyway. Thank you very much for listening. It's Newcastle next week and what a trip that is. If you're waking up really early for that, half past four in the morning, credit to you. But myself and Jeff will be dissecting it all next week, Monday morning at 7am on the next episode of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Smith lifts one in, Josh King takes it down, wriggles free and scores! Well, the Manchester United old boy strikes against the corner, it all started for him, and on the stroke of half-time, Bournemouth get the first goal against Manchester United. Bournemouth 1, Manchester United 0. Podcast Network.